Hello, my love. Welcome to the virtual lounge of the single women's society. How are you? I'm so excited that you're spending some time with me today. As always, I am your matchmaker, dating coach and host Kat Cantrell. Welcome. I have another special guest for you this week. I had the incredible honor of interviewing Sherry Gaba and Sherry Gaba is I've been following her on Instagram and she specializes. One of the reasons why I had to have her on here is because we talk about kind of the uncomfortable topics when it comes to codependency and it comes to trauma bonding. And I thought, even though this is a little bit of a different type of episode for single women's society, I do think it's important to bring these different topics to light because these are different things that affect your dating life. And I know that these are these are worries that you have. And even with my coaching clients, one of the things that I have them understand is understanding more of their attachment styles. We kind of mentioned that too in this episode. And so let me do a little introduction about Sherry. So Sherry Gaba is a psychotherapist, life coach, and certified recovery coach specializing in individual couples, family, and group psychotherapy, and maintains a private practice in Westlake Village, California, as well as providing phone and Skype appointments. With over 20 years of experience as a clinician and a graduate of USC specializing in addictions, relationships, codependency, trauma, parenting, divorce, and single parenting, she is currently serving as a private practitioner working with a broad spectrum of clients. In addition, she is a consultant for several high profiles Malibu rehab centers and has worked with numerous celebrities in her career. In fact, Sherry was the go-to expert for Dr. Drew Pinsky's celeb rehab show on VH1 and later on the spinoff VH1 Sober House, as well as celebrity rehab sex addiction. That's a mouthful, isn't it? So I'm really honored and excited to share the interview with Sherry. So ladies, help me welcome Sherry to the show. Well, Sherry. Welcome to the show. I'm so honored and thrilled to have you here. Welcome to the Single Women's Society. I'm so happy to be here and I love the name of your podcast and I love that you're helping people out there navigate their love lives. Yes. Gosh, there's not enough of us, is there? No. (laughs) I mean, to me, I think that I love the fact that it's becoming more and more, we're having these open conversations about things like what we're going to be talking about today, where I feel like 20 years ago, this wasn't, we didn't even have these types of conversations with one another. It was just something that we kind of dealt with, or maybe dealt with behind closed doors. So I'm so excited to have someone with your expertise to be here and sharing your knowledge with all of us. Right. I'm glad. So, um, Sherry, I'm just going to start and I'm just going to dive right into it. So let's talk about love addiction. So do you want to tell, do you want to tell the audience what is, what is love addiction and what are the signs and symptoms? So a lot of people think of love addiction as obsessive love. Um, when you think of addiction, you think of substances, but love addiction is a mood altering, um, activity instead of an actual substance. So It's a lifestyle addiction. You could call it a a soft addiction, things like Mm. gaming, shopping, spending, internet. Those are all soft addictions and love addiction is part of that. And it actually has some of the same components as a real substance addiction. You can have a 
a withdrawal period. Um, when a, let's say if a breakup occurs, um, the addictive lover will long for that attachment and those pleasurable feelings that they've lost, just like the drug user will, you know, crave their drug of choice, mm -hmm. like a addict wanting his fix. Um, has a lot of codependent overlaps. Um, you usually, well, deep down, you're just feeling very empty. You don't feel like you really belong unless you have someone. You're looking for someone else to make you feel whole. So it overlaps with codependency in that you kind of do what other people want you to do because you're so afraid of being alone. You'll be whatever that person wants you to be. You'll turn yourself into a pretzel. You right. often have boundaries. Um, you often settle for less. Um, you have a, a real excruciating fear of, of letting go or being on your own or not knowing what's going to happen next. Um, you do a lot of trying to fix and change and manipulate the other person because you want them to be what you want them to be because you don't want to be alone, but you also don't want to get, you know, let go of the goodie. Right. Um, you have, a, you know, abandonment issues usually, usually have an anxious attachment style. That, that would be my story. Um, and you just end up giving up parts of yourself out of fear that, you know, you won't have this person or you'll be, you know, God forbid alone. Yeah. Uh, anxious attachment style. I too, before I'm a recovering co as I, I was talking to you before I'm a recovering codependent and anxious attachment style was definitely part of my issue, especially when I went through my divorce and I started dating again, I found that I was really just grabbing on to like anything that I could get my hands on. Um, if you don't mind me asking Sherry, what led you before we go into these other questions, what led you, cause you mentioned it about how your own story with anxious attachment, like what led you into the work that you're doing now to help so many people? Well, I started out working in addictions. I was married to an alcoholic and then my mm -hmm. whole focus um, ended up being about him. And it's just so funny because I ended up on a TV show, Celebrity Rehab with Dr. Drew that had to do with alcohol abuse and rehab and everything became about him. And my whole career started becoming about him, you know, uh, the alcoholic, which is exactly what a codependent love addict will do. You make that person your whole life. And then once, you know, we, we divorced and I sort of woke up and got help, worked on my own trauma issues, discovered my own abandonment story. And I realized, you know what, I don't want to talk about addiction anymore. I want to talk about mm -hmm. the codependent. I want to talk about the love addict because that really is my story. And so I ended up writing my book, Love Smacked a few years ago and just sort of changed everything. I changed my, my Instagram. It's now codependency curious. It's all about codependency and love addiction. And of course, the, the caveat of toxic relationships and narcissistic abuse. So it wasn't that my ex-husband, the alcoholic, was a narcissist, but I think when people are in their active addiction, they have narcissistic traits. So right. I certainly was able to relate to that. And then unfortunately, I, I have come across some narcissists in my, um, in my dating since my divorce. Mm-hmm. I think, I think when we narcissism, it's, it's kind of almost like a buzzword now, but I think that everyone, mostly most of the clients that I've dealt with, I feel like everyone has had their own encounter with a narcissist, whether it be a family member, a parent, or it's like the more awareness we have of, of these traits, I think the more, um, open conversations we have, the more that we're realizing how much we're affected by that. Um, so when you talk about toxic relationships, so a lot of, a lot of the feedback that I get as, as a dating coach, is I get, you know, what are the red flags? What are the red flags? What am I looking for? And so how do you know that you're, how do you know when you're truly in a toxic relationship? 
Well, I do want to say that often love addicts are vulnerable to toxic relationships because if you're mm. afraid to be alone and you're, you know, and you don't feel like you're whole and you feel empty without someone, you're going to pick whoever. So you're going to be more vulnerable to a toxic relationship. So some of the red flags or the signs is, you know, if you're ruminating and obsessing over that person, you're constantly worried about what the partner's thinking of them. Um, you alter your life habits for that person. You're trying to do everything to please them. Um, and then, you know, you, you kind of notice that, well, one of the signs is that they're constantly texting you all, but we'll get into that later, but they're controlling, they're manipulative. You end up walking on eggshells, um, because they are controlling and manipulative. Um, they also can be a love bomber. We can get into that too, but yeah. the most important thing is that there's a lot of, uh, walking on eggshells. You don't really feel like you can be yourself. You're trying to please them. You, you're trying to be what you want them to be, and you're hoping they'll be what you want them to be. So you're two false selves coming together. Mm. Um, toxic individuals tend to always have to be right. So you feel guilty about everything. You know, they're always turning the blame on you. So anything that you're feeling or anything you, that you say, you're going to worry about because they'll probably make you wrong and they'll be right. A lot of fighting, a lot of um, verbal fighting. It could, it could get into physical um, very manipulative, controlling behaviors. Um, they might be domina dominating your actions more, um, telling you what to wear, how to dress, how to do your hair, what to do for a living. Um, maybe yelling and insulting, criticizing, degrading you, embarrassing you, shaming you, physical injuries, a lot of disrespect. Um, you know, do they, you know, how do they treat you? Do they respect you? Um, how do you know if someone is respecting you? Does your partner know this? And can he or she still choose to do the opposite? Um, even when you plead with them to, to not disrespect you, you know, are they chronically late? Are they forgetting important events? Um, things like that. Honest, usually a lot of dishonesty, lying, betrayal and cheating. Um, a lack of self-care, you, you, you see that you're like not taking care of yourself anymore. You're kind of letting your appearance go. You're neglecting your mental and physical health. You're just, you know, becoming sort of a, a, a nothing person because they become your whole life. They become your whole life. And I think too, just one of the things that I think that if you're starting to really question and have these questions, that that's really when it's time to take a, a, a good look, right. And take a magnifying glass of really what's going on. Um, so talk about, let's talk about love bombing. So love bombing can be um, a very interesting thing because if you are a love actor codependent, you love validation, outside validation. You like what's coming from the outside in. You want to be complimented. You want people to notice you. You want to be needed. So this is perfect for a toxic slash narcissistic person, because what they'll do is they'll lavish you with gifts, lavish you with attention. And they're all doing this for their own selfish, manipulative pur pur purposes. They're not doing it just because they're doing it because right. they want to get something from you. So, right. you know, they will often um, tell you that, you know, they love everything about you. They've never met anyone as perfect as you. You're the only person they want to spend time with. You know, they're, they're just so obvious, but again, if you're a love addict codependent, you're going to eat that up because that's what makes you feel good. Um, mm -hmm. Like I had said earlier, they may bombard you with phone calls and texts and, uh, you know, Facebook messages and little songs that they send you and they want your undivided attention. Um, and then, you know, as soon as you start to kind of move away a little bit, then they get even more controlling. Um, they want to they convince you that you're their soulmate. I mean, a guy that I dated last year told me on our first date, oh, you're, you're the one I'm going to marry you, you know? Yeah. Big red flag. 
big red flag. <laughs> and I kind of knew this. And that's what yeah. I want to say is even as a therapist, even as a expert in this field, sometimes we just, we end up being manipulated into these things, you know, absolutely we, we red flag, but we, we want that feeling, you know, maybe we're lonely. I mean, come on, we're all human. Right. So I ended up in a very short relationship with this um, person and I knew really from the beginning, oh, don't do this. And I did it anyway. And of course it turned out to be, he turned out to be a narcissist and abusive. So, you know, things like we were born to be together. It's fate that we met. You understand me more than anyone else. We're soulmates. Um, but the biggest red flag of all, and, and that was what occurred in this situation. And, and, um, and again, I'm, I want it, My mission in life is for women, not to be, or men, not to feel ashamed. If you've had a lot of relationships that haven't worked out, or you've been in toxic relationships, you've been with a narcissist, or you are a love addict or codependent, let's get to the underlying issues and figure out why you keep attracting that or what's going on that you're, you are not having enough self-worth and within yourself to not, you know, pick those people. And then if you do, let's figure out how to get back on the horse again, but I don't want people to feel ashamed or blamed because we're all vulnerable, but, um, you know, that's, 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 that's love bombing. And the, oh, I know I was going to say the biggest thing is boundaries. If you say no to them and they give you a hard time, you're with the toxic person. They do not like boundaries. They, they will just, they'll go ballistic. If you set a boundary with them, they don't like. Right. Um, I, my ex-husband, uh, one of his, (laughs) one of his favorite sayings to me is that I didn't, he said, he used to tell me, I didn't marry you to be told no. That's what he. Oh God. Toxic. Yeah. That's very toxic. Yeah. Very, very toxic. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm not going to turn this. I'm not going to turn this into, into about, about my stuff. I'm here to, I want to talk about you. Okay, okay. So because I mean, it makes, it makes us relatable, you know, here we right. are experts and we've been in these situations. And I think that makes us even better at what we do because we get it. And even if we slip, like I did last summer, cause I had been single for a while and I just, yeah. I we do, we slip just like an alcoholic slips, love addict slip. Right. Codependent so slip. yeah, it's, well, because it's, and I think too, it's familiar. If you're in a, like, if you, if that's all you've ever known and that's, you find yourself, I mean, there's more comfort and familiarity. Did I even say that right? Than it is to like do, to be in a different type of relationship. Like one of the things that I try to help my clients understand is the difference between like, if they're really in a, in a healthy relationship or if it's a trauma bond, which is something I hope to get to as we're, as you and I are talking, cause I know that's something that we're going to discuss, but okay. So let me ask you next question. Um, why do we become addicted to toxic relationships? Is it the highs and lows that um, we feel? Yeah. You can be addicted to the peptides that are created through the draw, the trauma, but usually, and I'm not going to say always, because you can just run into a narcissist and have the healthiest childhood in the world and you right. end up you know, meeting someone, but more often than not, there is a low self-esteem and there's a history of dysfunction that you grew up with. You, you're, you're picking people that, um, you're trying to fill a subconscious desire to somehow resolve some unresolved issue from your childhood. You're, you Mm. want to somehow fix what you didn't get. So if a parent wasn't there for you, for example, example, your father didn't protect you, or you had abusive parents, or they were alcoholics, or they were addicts, or they treated you like little adults, you know, you're going to grow up to, to be a caretaker. You're going to grow up to be, uh, feel invisible, feel like, I mean, that's where we get our self-esteem is when our parents, you know, bond to us and nurture us and love us. And, 
and you know take care of us and take care of our needs but if you don't get those needs met then you're going to be look, looking for it outside of yourself and those outside relation, relationships so it all stems from how we're raised and the relational experience that we had as children and it begins um, if we weren't properly able to develop self-esteem or a positive self-image or if we didn't get you know if we don't have self-love um, so the point is, it's not that our addiction to external toxic relations, but it's our addiction to something that runs a lot more, lot, excuse me, runs a lot deeper. And it's our addiction makes a lot of sense. To a, a toxic relationship with ourselves. We don't have a healthy relationship with ourselves and it all starts with ourselves. It's about a connection to yourself. And if you didn't get that early on, you're going to be craving it in every person that you meet, in every adult mm -hmm. relationship that you come across. So that's why I always say, if you have significant trauma, you really want to find somebody, a therapist, someone that really understands trauma. Right. When, when is being obsessed with your partner a sign of a love addiction? So the key to distinguish love addiction and, and um, a regular relationship are just, you know, the normal ups and downs of relationship is to examine the frequency or the severity of the ups and downs. So if you've had like five happy relationships and one unhappy one, you're like most likely not a relationship addict. But if you're unhappy in every relationship and you feel even worse on your own, you may be a love addict for sure. Mm. And these are like uncomfortable conversations to have with yourself oh, yeah. because we love to point the finger right at other people on why we're unhappy when most of the time it's just, we need to sit with ourselves and have these conversations with ourselves. Yeah. Most, most people don't want to feel the pain. So they'd rather lie. Right. Oh yeah. That is so true. So what is withdrawal from a toxic or love addicted relationship? You feel very empty. It's agonizing. It's obsessive. It's a total panic. It's a sense of not knowing who you are. It's the feeling you'll never find love again. Um, but on the positive side, it gives you a great opportunity to become whole again. And it's, it's a great time to meet yourself for the first time in a long time to meet that authentic self that you've been avoiding. And it's a great time to start working on self-love and healing and, and finding healthier relationships. And get help, right? Get help, exactly. So... Let me ask you, what does, I, I know I mentioned trauma before, um, but what does trauma have to do with being addicted to a toxic or codependent relationship? Pretty much what I've been saying, I probably, I, yeah, it's, it's pretty much, you, you're going to be addicted to the, the peptides of the, of the, of the, of the trauma of the drama. And it's probably because you grew up with some kind of trauma. So right. that, that's, that's really what it is. You know, you grew up in trauma and now you're addicted to trauma and all your adult relationships reflect that trauma. And then when you're in it, you become addicted to that trauma. And so when it's over, you're like still kind of on that, you know, you're like kind of like on the gas and the, and the, the, uh, the break at the same time. And you're kind of not sure what you're doing. You know, you're just like, Oh, you know, and you're, it's very uncomfortable. It's very, very uncomfortable, but you know, that's why they say, well, if you've been in a toxic relationship or with a narcissist, you really want to do no contact because there's no other way around it. And it's very hard. I am not going to say it's easy to do no contact, but that's the only way to get past that, that addiction. 
Yeah, I know. I tried, I tried doing no contact and it was really difficult. I wasn't able to do that, but I was able to put it in my decree that the only way he can talk to me is, um, about the kids. Because when I was leaving him, he was obsessed about me dating other people. Like it became like this whole thing where he would want to talk to me about that kind of thing. And I had to put it in my decree that the only thing that we would talk about is the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a whole other subject about co-parenting with a toxic person. And oh, yeah. Time to get into that. But that, you know, I do want to be sensitive to those that are parenting with a toxic person because it is a whole other uh, issue. It is other other skill sets in that type of situation. Yes. Yes. I would agree. Experiencing, experiencing it myself. I completely agree. Uh, so I, there was a post that you did on Instagram and it was like a graphic that had trauma bonding on one side and healthy relationship on the other, and you had shared it to your feed. And so trauma bonding is something I haven't really talked about that much on my podcast, but I would love to hear from you. Like what, because it is a buzz. We hear about trauma bonding all the time. So what is, what is trauma bonding? So there's different kinds. Like you could have a trauma bond, even with a sibling where your parents were abusive and all you Mm. had. So suddenly there's this trauma bond between the two of you. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a trauma bond with my ex-husband. We both had abandonment issues. So we had a trauma bond based on our abandonment issues. So that's one, those are two different kinds of trauma bonding. Then there's the trauma bonding of being in a relationship that's abusive. And there's this gaslighting or or cognitive dissonance where they're, they're love bombing you. And then they're being uh, abusive and then they're being love bombing and then they're being abusive. So you get used to the highs and lows, highs and low, and that creates a trauma bond. So trauma survivors can be magnetized to each other. And that's really what we call trauma bonding. Um, so one can be overly aggressive and the other is overly passive. One is controlling, the other is accommodating. This is why codependents often attract narcissists and then they end up manipulating each other as a way to get the other person to validate their inner reality that has been lost. For example, this can show up as insecurity for one of the partners if one needs constant validation by the other and then the other does not be need, meet the need for that validation. So he or she will start to feel insecure. Um, the other partner not giving the constant validation may not even understand the pathological need of the other needing validation. So then the insecure partner may push the healthy partner away with all their demands for validation. I mean, these are all different kinds of trauma bonds. Um, yeah. The partner that needs a validation feels all those early abandonment triggers when they aren't receiving it. They are also looking on the outside for the validation. The partner who isn't validating might have an avoidant personality and fears intimacy. So he or she definitely will not validate the the needy partner. So trauma bonding is made up of the needy partner, pursuer, and the avoidant partner who avoids connection at all costs. So that's Mm -hmm. another type of trauma bond. So um, when you don't trust another person's reality, your own reality, you end up thinking you're responsible for the other person's experiences. And you can end up having a delusion of who you think the other person is rather than who they really are because you don't trust your instincts. So then you can end mm. up responsibility of the other person and it just goes on and on. So there's, there's a lot to trauma bonds, but you know, it, like I said, the ones that I think of are the, are, are the ones where you have the taker and the giver. Um, you have the one that needs the constant attention and then the one that's the avoidant 
or there's the, the one where he's abusive and then he's nice and abusive and nice. So it just, it brings out, it just brings a lot of crazy making. And yeah. That forms this trauma bond. That's what forms the pet peptides that you become addicted to. And that when it's over, you're like, Oh God, what do I do with all this, this energy that I'm feeling this, this, you know, because it really is, it's just very activating. Yeah. Do you, like, um, this is kind of a sidebar, but do you, what are, what are your thoughts? Like, uh, cause I I've watched tons of dating reality shows. What are your thoughts of like when, um, when people meet for the first time and she's like, I didn't get butterflies. So that's a no, like I want to meet someone and I have butterflies. So what's your take on butterflies? Yeah. Butterflies a lot of times means that it's a no, that <laughs> you really need to be yes. closer because butterflies often, I mean, I'm not going to say that you, you know, you can have butterflies and you can end up with the love of your life, but right. butterflies often is this, this feeling of, um, you're, you're, you're like a magnet to something that you're so familiar with that feels so good. It just feels so good, but is it good? You don't even know the person right. you, you're, you're addicted to a feeling you're addicted to a, to, um, yeah, you're addicted to a feeling, to a smell, yeah. to a look, to a, you know, to a smile, you know, to some, but rather you're not really knowing the person. So that's why, right. you know, it's all about getting to know someone, take your time, slow it up and be discerning. So Sherry, if my audience is interested in working with you or wanting to know more about you, where can they find you? Great. Um, well, one of the things they can do is get my free ebook, Narcissist, Narcissistic Partners and Obsessive Love, and they can go to sherrygaba.com forward slash NP quiz. So that's sherrygaba.com NP quiz. And I assume Kat, you'll put, I'll it, put it in the show notes. Yep. And then I have a membership group coaching program. That's a dollar for your listeners. It's a dollar for a week. And then it goes to $27 and it's a monthly group coaching. And then it's a 10 week uh, video course on love addiction, toxic relationships and codependency healing. And then I have a lot of cool interviews in there and my, you know, I have all kinds of stuff in there. Um, you know, worksheets and um, it's just a treasure. All the goods. Yeah. Exactly. All the goods. Exactly. That's wonderful. And where can they find you on social media? Oh, and that, that uh, link is wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG one wakeuprecovery.com forward slash IG one. And they can find me at codependency curious. Wonderful. Well, it has been such a pleasure. I really hope that my, I really hope that my audience that they sat there and took, I took a lot of notes. You gave us so much information and I am so grateful for your time, Sherry. Thank you again for being on the show. You're welcome, Kat. All right, my love. I know it was a little bit of a heavier episode, but I hope that it sheds some light as far as if you've ever had these questions about yourself and about codependency, especially narcissism. And I know that I kind of touched a little bit on, on my own personal journey with that, that it kind of puts you at ease. And if you ever have any questions or you're interested in working with Sherry, I will make sure and put her all in, make sure and put her contacts into the show notes, but you can Find her on Instagram. That's where she spends most of her time at codependency curious. 
and I will make sure that she does have a relationship quiz. It's a free ebook. I will make sure and also put that link down in the show notes so that you can just pull it up and access it immediately. All right, my love. Thank you so much for being here with me this week. And remember, true love is waiting for you. And I will see you next time. All right. Bye.